0: In May 1982, Formula One and the world of racing lost an icon. Canada's Gilles Villeneuve lost his life in a crash at the Belgian Grand Prix. His death was mourned by his family, his friends and his fans all around the world who still revere him 40 years later. I'm Tom Clarkson and in this special episode of F1 Beyond the Grid, you'll hear memories of Gilles Villeneuve from the People who knew him at the peak of his racing career. Jonathan Giacobazzi, his family
1: sponsored Gilles, but their relationship was far deeper. He was my idol, and uh, since then, uh, uh, till nowadays, he's, he's still my only idol.
0: René Arnoux, whose battle with Gilles at Dijon in 1979 remains one of the finest pieces of wheel-to-wheel racing in F1 history. It was the best race in my career because it was between Gilles and me and between my best friend and me. Plus two Formula One world champions, Mario Andretti and Jody Scheckter, who was Gilles' friend and Ferrari teammate.
2: He wanted to be the daredevil of Formula One. They talk about Gilles the man, Gilles
1: the racer, Gilles the legend and how his presence is still felt today. Gilles Villeneuve is next to the nowadays Ferrari drivers. So today we have Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz and Gilles Villeneuve.
0: So much of Gilles Villeneuve's life was about speed, both on and off the racetrack. When he had to be somewhere, he had a habit of deliberately leaving late, so he'd have to drive quickly to get there on time. He was born in 1950 in Berthierville, a small town an hour outside Montreal in Quebec. As a child, he'd ride snowmobiles around the neighborhood for fun with his brother, Jacques. His love of speed grew and snowmobile racing came next. Victories and trophies built his reputation as a talented driver with great skill, control and bravery. The prize money helped fund a move into cars. And it was in 1976, while driving in the Formula Atlantic series, that Villeneuve caught the attention of an F1 star. Gilles raced and beat James Hunt, who'd go on to win the F1 world title that year. Hunt helped convince McLaren to run Villeneuve at the British Grand Prix in 1977. Despite Gilles running as high as fourth on his F1 debut, McLaren decided against making him a permanent driver. And at the same time, Enzo Ferrari was looking for a driver to replace the outgoing Niki Lauda, and Gilles suited him perfectly. Enzo saw him as a talented young racer, but not someone who would become more famous than Ferrari itself. Sponsoring Villeneuve at Ferrari was the Giacobazzi family, who were wine producers. Enzo himself was a big fan of their Lambrusco. That's how Jonathan Giacobazzi first met Jill. He told me he grew up travelling the racetracks of Europe with his father, and Gilles was in the next-door caravan.
1: Gilles was special. Because uh, he was uh, really one of a kind. I was five uh, when I met him first and he was spending a lot of time in uh, my house with my family. And uh, he was really genuine. He was uh, like uh, one of us. He was uh, talking about everything. He was uh, in love with uh, mechanics, mechanical parts and everything. He was talking about helicopters. He was talking about... uh, both his uh, experiments he was uh, uh, doing in canada in his uh, officina little uh, workshop and uh, he was also sharing memories with my father about uh, changing engines in these cars uh, and uh, ski uh, he was looking for speed everywhere tell me about your family's relationship with you uh, we had the opportunity, thanks to Enzo Ferrari, to, catch, uh, to uh, know Gilles uh, from the beginning because uh, after uh, Niki Lauda left Ferrari, uh, Gilles uh, was uh, asked by Enzo Ferrari to go to Maranello and the same day my father got a call from Enzo. Uh, because we were selling our uh, wines in, uh, in the States already, he asked him uh, to join him uh, to have a meeting with a new Ferrari driver. So my father never heard about anything about Gilles Villeneuve. When he, he stepped into the room, uh, he, he met this guy, and Enzo the Ferrari said, uh, this is Gilles Villeneuve. He's going to be the new driver uh, replacing uh, Niki Lauda. And because you are selling your wines in the uh, United States, I give you the opportunity to sell now in Canada. And uh, my father, of course, couldn't, couldn't refuse the, this uh, offer from uh, Enzo Ferrari. I mean, it was an offer that you cannot really refuse. So he immediately agreed uh, with Gilles Villeneuve and they said, um, OK, let's do it. And uh, they decided uh, that day to have the, the famous Giacobazzi on the chest of the overalls.
0: And how did the relationship between your family and him develop over the, the
1: subsequent years? It became really a friendship because uh, I remember very well that um, uh, we were uh, traveling around Europe. Uh, in our school breaks, um, uh, me and my brothers with my family, and uh, we were having, uh, we were driving, going around with a caravan. And all, always we were parking the caravan uh, uh, next to Gilles once in the paddock because we were following Formula One. So we went to Dijone. we went to Zandvoort, we went to Ockenheim, Silverstone, of course, Monza. And uh, Imola, uh, it was really nice period. So we became really friends. In the end, uh, they were always uh, um, moments to share. My mom were uh, was washing the overalls with uh, our uh, uh, underpants, you know, in uh, in uh, me and my brother. So she was also uh, sewing the patches on the overalls uh, and changing the position sometimes two times. And I remember once that. Uh, she took uh, because my father asked her. Uh, you know, uh, my father was unhappy about the dimension of the G- the Giacobazzi patch on the on the chest of the overall. So, one night they they decided to to change it with a bigger one, <laughs> and nobody had <laughs> really saw the difference the next day. And my father was uh, always thinking to ch- to to put a bigger one every time. So. It was really really a nice time we spent together what was life like
0: on the road with Villeneuve I mean you, I'm just imagining you're in a paddock somewhere was it barbecues in the evening together or, or was he quite introverted when he was racing
1: no to tell you the truth uh, they were uh, we weren't eating together I mean uh, he was eating with uh, the mechanics sometimes or he was eating with his family and then he was coming into our, uh, our caravan and uh, then we had uh, discussions Discussions about uh, everything. I remember that uh, before I go before going to bed uh, I was listening to what they were saying and because Gilles became my idol since uh, day one uh, I had this opportunity to know him well uh, and uh, I was catching my sleep uh, listening him uh, uh, You know telling my father uh, he knew he he knew about his uh, new performance with the new toys that he was uh, he was buying the helicopter and the boat and i always dreamt that i wanted to go there but uh, uh, you know uh, with him but uh, i never had the opportunity and uh, for what i heard uh, later on in my life uh, probably this is uh, something that uh, i have to consider this uh, like a positive things considering how he was driving uh, around uh, you know with his cars and piloting the helicopters
0: gilles certainly looked for adrenaline at every opportunity Mario Andretti, 1978 F1 world champion, told me about the time he and Villeneuve went out on the water together.
3: Nothing that we've ever done was conventional. We're in Austria at Klagenfurt on a lake, and uh, we're doing the parasail. And uh, so I said, um, Jill, I said, uh, you want to do a parasail, you know, tandem? So we did a tandem. And everything that we did was awkward because he tried to spin this thing around in such a way that it was you know, it was quite dangerous. But, you know, that was his style. And he was all, you know, okay, you know, that that's what we do. And and then when we when we dropped off, we're supposed to drop off, you know, at one at a time, now we drop on top of each other, trying to kill each other by the time we hit the water, you know, all of that so I mean, uh, what a guy, what a guy.
0: Mario, when I say the name Gilles Villeneuve,
3: what do you think? I smile, quite honestly, and the reason for that is since the first minute that I met him, when he actually had the opportunity to drive a McLaren, I think at Watkins Glen, uh, it was just, he was so nonchalant and typical of his character And, you know, in a sense, I said, isn't he even a bit nervous? And that was Gilles. On track, confidence
0: was not a problem for Gilles. In his first full season, 1978, he showed himself to be an F1 star in the making. He scored his first podium and then in front of his home fans in Montreal, a breakthrough victory in the final race of the year.
4: Fielder wins. And cheering Canadians go wild with delight at the first ever Grand Prix win by a Canadian in, of all places,
0: Canada. In 1979, Villeneuve's second season with Ferrari, he struck up a close friendship with one of his rivals, René Arnoux, the Frenchman who just joined Renault. When I see him the first
5: time, I think it was in uh, 79 when I started Formula One. And uh, he was driving for Ferrari. I was driving for Renault. And uh, suddenly, he said, uh, Gilles said to me, uh, René, uh, you go with me to eat uh, Italian food in Ferrari. And the next day, uh, this was Friday in Ferrari, and the next day was uh, Gilles go with me to eat uh, French food with Renault. And... uh, we start suddenly like that, and uh, it, it was. Uh, uh, we continue in the same, always in the same condition in each weekend to to eat all always together on Friday and Saturday, and sometime on Sunday too before the race. But before the race, you know, you stay uh, in your motorhome uh, to for, for the condition of the race. But uh, these two days was really fantastic because for me it was very very nice guys, nice men, and uh, uh, I appreciate all all min-
0: each uh, minute all together. Did you always talk about racing, or would you talk about other things as well?
5: Uh, it it it's the same because. You know when when you win on the Grand Prix, it's normal. At the end, you speak always about racing, and uh, but I see uh, Gilles in Paris, in uh, uh, in Italy, and in each part of the world, uh, and, uh, and uh, I spend really a good time each time when we stay all together, and. Uh, for me, he was a, a, a fantastic guy because he is he, not in the middle. He, 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 you, you love Gilles or you, or you, do, you don't love Gilles. You, see, it, you have not half. Uh, uh,
0: and it's, for me, he was a very, very good person because he was like that. René saw his friend Gilles win two of the opening four races of 79. Villeneuve's championship challenge was alive, and his main rival that season was his Ferrari teammate Jody Scheckter.
2: I knew him as a very honest, very honourable, nice guy, and the people didn't see that side side of him. We were we were great mates. I don't remember ever having a bad word between us. He's a nice guy. He's an honest guy. He's an honourable guy. Rather than he's a great racing driver, and that because that's what I saw and and let's say um respected for, for as as a person rather than he was a quick racing driver or not
0: you were teammates with gil for two years so let's start talking about the racing driver what were his greatest strengths behind the wheel
2: i think he was very fast um he was serious although it didn't look like from the outside he worked hard at um becoming the best driver he could um, but he had some weaknesses he wanted to be the daredevil of Formula 1 so he wanted to get the fastest lap he wanted to everybody to think he was what? I went from Monaco up to um, Maranello with him, and I said, listen, you behave yourself when I'm going, going with you, and, and we get fine until we get a kilometre outside of Marinello and then he's doing wheel spin and whats the names and stuff like that. He loved that side of it. Monza, when we were going for the championship, he was, uh, we were practising, I think we did two days, he was putting on qualifying tyres after qualifying tyres, and in the headlines, Jill record everything, I put on the hardest tyres and just did the chassis and did the stuff like isn't it? Out-qualified him. I had a better car probably than him in in the race but that's what gave me some comfort. So he was a showman? Yes, very much so. In the racing car and outside as well? He loved that idea that he was the daredevil and that's what he he portrayed and I I think he was quicker than me in, in race form but he made mistakes. So... Did he keep that little margin? No. I think he neglected the car more than I did. Um, and that paid off in different areas. Let's talk about Jill's relationship with the team. Um, was he closer to the Scuderia than you? Enzo Ferrari loved him and respected me. And respected him as well. But but really, uh, the, the, uh, the old man liked Jill. He spoke Italian, I didn't. But also he liked the flamboyant daredevil, put it all on the line or whatever. Why do you think he was so revered, so idolised by the Tifosi? I think his, his attitude was pushing out all the time, trying to do the fastest lap rather than win the race. Are you being flippant when you
0: say that? Or do you think he there were occasions where he would put fastest lap ahead of
2: winning the race? That's exactly what I'm saying. He would put the fastest lap or do a overtake that was spectacular than winning the race certainly than winning the championship so often in f1 today you'll hear race
0: engineers telling drivers to reduce their pace to prevent mechanical failures or to hold position and not risk an overtake to score just a few world championship points those things were not in Villeneuve's playbook it was said that he didn't know how to drive slowly Mario Andretti says that was what made him so special.
3: Gio was quick and that's why Mr. Ferrari loved him so much. Because his heart was right there. Right there in front of the car, flat out, 110%. And he could have destroyed every race car that he ever drove for Mr. Ferrari. He would have loved him just the same. There's no way he could fault him for being so aggressive, so exciting. Uh, I, I mean, it's just one of a kind. You really are smiling when you tell these stories about him. Yes, because it's true. I mean, it's this exactly the way I feel. Yeah.
0: His aggressive driving might have won Villeneuve fans but it sometimes saw him give up precious world championship points. At the 1979 Dutch Grand Prix, while leading the race but pushing flat out, Gilles spun, damaging his tires. A tire then blew, but rather than drive slowly back to the pits, change tires and rejoin the race to try and score some points, Gilles continued to push flat out. The shredded tire destroyed the rear of the car and what started as a puncture ended up causing his retirement. Jody Schechter was world champion that year. Gilles was second, just four points behind. But Villeneuve's 1979 season is also remembered for his part in one of F1's all-time great battles. At the French Grand Prix, Gilles and René Arnoux banged wheels fighting over second and third places.
5: Gilles it was uh, in, a, in, a live, in his life, private, on a track, Uh, When he was driving, he he drive at the maximum. He he drive his life at the maximum. 100% each laps. I said always about this battle, uh, it it was possible, is my opinion, eh, between uh, Gilles and and me. Why? First things, I know that Gilles don't make a bad mistake for me. And he know exactly the same. I don't make a, want to make a mistake for him uh, because at this, at this speed and uh, at this time, five laps before the end of the race in Dijon, uh, it, maybe he it was really dangerous. But I know that Gilles it, it's, it, it's serious and he don't want to make a mistake about me and, and the same for, for him about him. And uh, at this time we start. You have a problem with uh, like I said before, with the tire, with the brake, and I have a full uh, problem, pressure problem of the of the fuel. We arrived at this time, five laps before the end, to have uh, um, exactly to have the same time for each laps. And uh, I try to 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 finish second, I finish third. But uh, he tried to finish second, and he finished second it, it, with the condition of the of this car. But during this uh, war on the track in Dijon, it's very honest. It's no 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 uh, uh, not not bad things, not uh, etc. And after the, when we finish uh, on the on a flag to finish uh, the finish flag, uh, and we have the podium and everything said. These two guys now it's a, it's very it's a war on, on, also in on the podium, but uh, then he it take my hand and we, we have a big smile when we finish the race on, on the podium. It was really exciting. After the race, uh, somebody said uh, we go to to see on a, on a big uh, a TV in a press conference and uh, I go to see the, these five laps be, uh, before the hand. And uh, I am really more afraid when I see the race on the TV than when I was uh, in, in sitting in my car, when the, the, you have a finish uh, of the flag. And uh, Forgeri was uh, behind me and he, he said, with the hand in the sky, uh, these two guys are completely crazy because this is not for the first place, it was the second and third place. And uh, it was a very, really uh, a big smile about this uh, reflection. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it was of the best race in my career. Uh, why? Uh, because it was between Gilles and me and between my best friend
0: and me. And he said it was one of his best memories in Grand Prix racing as well.
5: Yeah, you, you are. Uh, this race was in 79. And I tell you, uh, really, each week, each week I speak about this race. I think Gilles said the same of um, my reflection because uh, each time I see the, I see Gilles, it was a pleasure to speak about
0: him. And I, I think it was the same uh, for him. Was he the fastest driver in Formula One at the time? At, at this time, you have a lot of
5: uh, r- r- strong driver. You have uh, Piquet, you have Lafitte, you have uh, uh, Mansell. Gilles was one of the best drivers at this time. Uh, I think now in Italy, you have an anniversary of 40 years of when Gilles was dead. But you think when I listen in Italy about Gilles, you think that is he's not dead. Is always present uh, because uh, the people appreciated a lot the, the driving of, of Gilles driving of Gilles was exciting he, he, he don't drive in you know, a straight line he's always is uh, always in a, at the maximum he use car at the maximum is is always on a, oversteer it, it it's a it's a driving exciting driving and uh, the people now in italy in each part of the world appreciate this this type of driving and uh, I remember one time I was in, uh, in Paul Ricard. I doesn't, I doesn't rain because it was raining. And Ferrari said, you, you test the, the, the um, um, special tires for the, for the rain. Uh, I, I, I take a, a motorbike and I go to sigil to drive in, a, in Paul Ricard on this, in this uh, condition. On the track, you have a double left at the, at, in the first gear, um, quick. And uh, I think uh, I was there and uh, to, to see Gilles. He was completely in an uh, oversteer, and uh, uh, he, drive, he, he drive with the, uh, one hand, and the, with the other hand, he said, hello, Rene.
1: <laughs> hello. <laughs> it's,
5: a, it's a completely a crazy
0: man, but um, very nice. Fast forward to 1982 and Ferrari's home race at Imola. With 10 laps to go, Villeneuve led the race with his Ferrari teammate Didier Peroni second. As ex-Ferrari man Jody Schechter explains, back then the team had a
2: rule to stop their drivers racing. Ferrari had a, a regulation or let's say orders. If you're one and two or five and six, you don't fight unless somebody else is going to, you know, overtake both of you. Peroni disregarded the orders of
1: Ferrari.
0: Pironi continued to challenge Villeneuve in the final few laps, and Jonathan Giacobazzi was there with his family that day.
1: I have uh, really vivid memories, uh, uh, San Marino for me 82, it's uh, still um, something that I really think uh, often about. Um, for us, it began on the Thursday because uh, Gilles was invited from my, fam- for my, from my family to a press uh, lunch that we had at uh, some Domenico restaurants. And uh, because he just arrived with a helicopter with uh, Pironi, he asked uh, if Pironi uh, could join uh, the lunch. And of course, uh, we were happy about that. And Pironi took uh, a friend with him that was a magician. And the magician at the end of the lunch uh, have been asked by by my father to, to tell uh, to do some jokes and to tell uh, you know to predict the winner of the race and he said uh, in a way or another Didier is gonna win the race on Sunday and that uh, was just uh, you know something that we heard uh, it was just something uh, to hear to to listen to but then during the weekend uh, everything. Uh, didn't go well for uh, the beginning for Pironi because he had an accident on Friday, he destroyed the car. And Gil himself uh, uh, spoke to the journalists. And, you know, this has been told me by Franco Gozzi that he was asking the journalists not to go too, too strong uh, on Pironi because he needed time to adopt to, to, to the car because also he had another accident during the winter test. So in the end, the qualifying uh, where uh, uh, we got uh, Renault in first row and uh, Gilles Villeneuve in third place, uh, lapping around in the same second of Prost and, uh, and Arnoux, And two seconds behind uh, on fourth place on the grid was Pironi, so it was really slow. So nobody could really predict uh, that Sunday was going to happen what uh, unfortunately happened so um, i also have the opportunity to because i am from modena i always been around in ferrari and knew many people around Enzo uh, ferrari i interview all of them you know during the year so i spoke to to Maini, to nosetto to godzi to benzi Forgieri, and they always told me the same story there was a deal not to race and to hold the position so in the end, Gilles was ahead, and every time he was slowing down, Didier was catching up, and he was overtaking him. At the beginning, will never thinking that it was for, done for the fans.
4: This is lap 60, the last lap. We, we are around the Tamburello, and CV of Pironi now. Pironi, he's going through. Pironi's got, he's got to come down the inside. He's got it. but he's going wide. Whoa. Fantastic stuff. They've changed places two laps running in Pironi now. All he has to do now is keep it pointing the right way and uh, no mistakes because there really isn't a passing place and Fiona can have a go up, up here there aren't really any more passing places on the lap so it looks, it looks like done the last of the late breakers peroni has shown himself to be with that masterly maneuver on the last lap in this san marino grand prix they're through the aqua Minerale bends for the last time the crowd is really cheering them home ferrari looks as though it's going to win Ferrari looks as though it's going to be second, look at the flags waving, it's a long, long time since Ferrari had the double, first and second, and it looks as though Gilles Villeneuve, as they come down underneath the bridge, down to the Rivazza, for the last time, he's going to have to give best to his teammate Didier Pironi, but uh, Villeneuve could still do it, he's going to try and go through on the inside, these are the closing stages, they're into the traguardo now, And no, I don't think Villeneuve can possibly do it. Didier Peroni wins, magnificent race, terrific entertainment. Villeneuve in second place, and Peroni here, the winner.
1: He didn't uh, stay at the the rules, I mean, at the the agreement, and uh, the last lap uh, he took the lead and he won the race. How angry was Gilles after the race? Gilles was particularly hungry. Uh, I couldn't believe his eyes because, uh, again, we were having our caravan next to Ferrari one. And uh, after the race, uh, I was there with my family, with my father. And uh, he came into our caravan to sit and to hide. And my father said, Gilles, where are you supposed to be on the podium? And he said, I don't want to go. And my father said to him, well, if you don't want to go for yourself, do it for the tifosi. So he went to the podium, he came back, he smashed the trophy in, uh, in the face of my father and he said, uh, I brought this back for you because mine has been stolen. And then he left and uh, personally I didn't see him again. He was really, really hungry, was uh, really surprised.
2: He came to me at that time and said, this has happened and Ferrari didn't back him. He was heartbroken because of that. Gilles' friend and former Ferrari teammate, Jody Schechter. Gilles came to me and then he took me up in his helicopter to Ferrari, he wanted me to come with him because he was so broken because Ferrari didn't back him after Peroni didn't follow the rules. That
0: helicopter trip to Ferrari's base at Maranello was to try and repair Gilles' relationship with the Scuderia, a bond that looked as if it had broken. As for Gilles and Didier Pironi themselves, that relationship was over. René Arnoux remembers. I know very well Gilles and I know very well also Pironi. Uh,
5: Gilles said, I never speak with Pironi. Now it's a war between uh, Didier and me. And uh, I understand Gilles because I know very well the guys. It's finished. You don't have a confidence with uh, Pironi. And it's, it's what's cancelled every possibility to speak with
0: uh, Didier. That's how Gilles Villeneuve felt when he left Imola, as if his teammate and his team had let him down. Before the next race in Belgium, he spoke to his sponsor, Jonathan Giacobazzi's father.
1: Gilles rang him um, after uh, a couple of days and he said, uh, look, I'm going to come before Zolder for the shakedown in Fiorano, we need to talk. So he went to Fiorano and uh, he went to see Ferrari. Uh, and Ferrari, in the end, uh, you know, uh, wasn't too compassionate about uh, Gilles' uh, complainings because he said, in the end, uh, uh, Ferrari has won. I've won. So uh, this was not the answer that Gilles was uh, probably uh, expecting. And, uh, and then Gilles uh, went to Zolder. And uh, my father was supposed to go there, but uh, in the end, uh, he didn't and uh, then happened what uh, has happened i mean uh, um, we know from uh, um, the mechanics that uh, were there that uh, Gilles was suspicious ag- against uh, uh, everyone he was not uh, really talking uh, with uh, with no with the team anymore with the mechanics even and he was quite uh, uh, tough, you know, for uh, the mechanics to live uh, in the in the box with uh, with Pironi and Gilles next to each other. So it was uh, it was a diffi- difficult weekend from the beginning.
0: There was a tense atmosphere at Ferrari at the start of the Belgian Grand Prix weekend. In qualifying, tragedy struck.
4: The greatest unhappiness imaginable occurred before race day. In the closing stages of the last practice session for today's Belgian Grand Prix, motor racing and the world lost a much-loved and truly courageous sportsman when Gilles Villeneuve, fighting to improve his starting grid position, hit the March car of Jochen Maas. In a 150 miles an hour accident, Villeneuve's Ferrari was completely shattered and the driver hurled against the catch fencing. Tragically, heart massage and specialist treatment in Louvain failed to save his life.
0: At high speed, Gilles came up behind the car of German driver Jochen Mass, who was driving slowly. Mass moved to the right of the track to let Villeneuve pass. At the same moment, Villeneuve also moved to the right to try and overtake. The front of Gilles' car hit the rear of Jochen's, and Jochen Mass told me about that
6: moment you look in the mirror and you see the car coming in the back and then you move over to the right to give the fast inside lane, which is normal, it's the usual race lane. But then he was already on the right and he just gently tapped my wheels and he flew past me. Rear wheel, front wheel, and I thought, ah. it happened next to me all the time. I mean, I was sort of ghosting under underneath the, Looking at him being flung out of the car with the back plate of his his, his chassis in off of his seat, and then he flew across the road into the catch fencing. So I stopped and ran across and I could see his big eyes. It was terrible. It was so, utterly terrible, and I thought, you know, what can you do?" what can you do? I didn't feel guilty necessarily, but I said, why take risks like that? He did, you know, and that's what basically everybody said too, because the situation with Pironi was such that he couldn't face Pironi being quicker than he was and he was quicker then, in that moment, and um, so I still raced the next day, you know, I still raced, my engine In exactly the same spot where the accident happened, and um, it was most ironic. And there I sat during the race and I watched, you know, all this marks, and you know, I knew it was very, very strange. I knew him well, I knew his his kids, I knew his wife, and um, you know, we were often together in Monaco, and um, you know, I liked him a lot. I felt terrible, I really did, but you know, you. It's a race accident. You have to see it like that. Jochen was blameless in the crash. He was
0: deeply affected by it, as was René Arnoux, who saw it happen from the cockpit of his car.
5: For me, it was a a terrible Grand Prix. I was uh, 25 uh, metres behind the the, the, uh, mass angel, and I see everything, and I said, oh, he's finished in a very bad condition. When Mass decide to go on the right part of the track, Gilles decided first to, to, to make this bend on the right side. He, he touched the wheel on uh, the back and with the left wheel in the front of Gilles. The cars go directly on the sky, and he's, he go uh, outside of the car with the seat and the seat belt, and he go suddenly on the ro- on the road uh, with the helmet. I stop my car in the grass, and I go to see Gilles, and I said and, and understand suddenly that he's dead completely. Uh, What is impossible to speak about that, he was my best friend, and I lose this day, at this minute, the best friend in my life in Formula One. Uh, Nothing more, sorry, only
0: to cry. Did you think about not racing the next day? No, no. For me,
5: you know, uh, when you have a, like, the passion, like uh, people in Formula One has, uh, it was this accident and the, when Gilly was dead, it was terrible for me. But in my head, I don't said never, never, never one second, never one sense uh, to stop to drive a Formula One because it's dangerous. for us. No, it's, um, I want to continue to drive in the same condition that before. but uh, you know after you don't have the l- Italian lunch or a French lunch with with your best friends and this is a very, very, very strong, difficult to accept it. but it, it's
0: it's a life. Gilles was taken to hospital where he died later that evening. His parents and his brother, thousands of miles away in Canada, were told the news by telephone. As the Formula One paddock and the world reacted with shock, those closest to him mourned the loss of their son, husband, and father. Then, aged nine, Jonathan Giacobazzi had lost his
1: friend and his hero. Gilles, for me, was the very first loss. They un- that I understood. So the very first time I cried uh, for someone that uh, I understood that I was not going to see anymore. So, and again, he was my my idol. And uh, since then, uh, uh, till nowadays, he's, he's still my only idol.
0: Formula One fans around the world shared Jonathan's sadness, particularly in Canada. 4,000 people lived in Gilles' hometown of Berthierville. On the day of his funeral, 20,000 came to pay their respects. His coffin was draped in a checkered flag and driven through the streets in a motorcade. Jody Schechter walked into the church alongside Gilles' wife, Joanne. The motorways were full and every bridge was just full of people. It's sort of Senna-esque. I mean, Sao Paulo kept ground to a halt in 1994 when when Senna was killed. It seems like that is what happened in Quebec?
2: Oh, I think very much so. You know, you had the prime minister that came to the, the, the church. Everything stopped. And I think some of the interviews with the father and other people around and got the emotion of the whole country more so. But, you know, he was loved. Gilles was loved in, in Canada. And all around the world, 40 years on, Gilles
0: Villeneuve remains a racing icon. That's especially true for Ferrari fans, the Tifosi, Jonathan Giacobazzi says Gilles still holds a special place in the team.
1: The legacy of Gilles, uh, I tell you that uh, nowadays, uh, everywhere, if you go and uh, and ask uh, a Formula One fan uh, uh, about Gilles Villeneuve, everyone, even the young generation, they know who he was. And, uh, you know, for instance, they probably don't uh, remember about world champions. But they do remember from uh, about Gilles that only won six races and uh, and that's it. But uh, when he died, he was at the peak of his popularity. And um, apart that, uh, I'm really sorry because I believe that we lost the best Gilles ever. Do you still feel his presence around Maranello? Yes, he's everywhere. If you step into a bar in Maranello, uh, there is a picture of him and the Ferrari. Uh, maybe there is not a picture of John Sortis that won the championship. There is not a picture of uh, Mike uh, Hawthorne that won a championship, or not even Alberto Scari that won uh, a first championship with Ferrari, and it is the sole uh, Italian world champion, uh, you know, to have won a with the Ferrari. So Gilles Villeneuve is there, and is always in the top three, because the, it is next to the nowadays Ferrari drivers. So today we have Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz and Gilles Villeneuve. Tomorrow there will be X driver, X driver, and Gilles Villeneuve. The season after Gilles' death, his great
0: friend René Arnoux joined Ferrari, and he felt Villeneuve's presence around Maranello. A lot of people ask me some question about about
5: Gilles. Uh, the, uh, Gilles is always present at this time for forty years after, and you know at this time he was completely, uh, he was not dead. And uh, for me, the best thing was in 83 is to stay in a Ferrari uh, with Gilles to drive all together. But, um, but it was impossible because uh, Zolder, he, he finished his life in, in Zolder. But if you imagine it, it to, to stay all together in the same team in Ferrari, it was, uh, it was amazing for me. But uh, the life was decided to have uh, another people who have, uh, uh, all together in Ferrari. But uh, the life is the life. Do you still think of Gilles today? Oh, yeah, yeah, sh- sure. It's For me, it's always in one part of my head, uh, this is sure, because uh, Each moment I spent with Gilles was really interesting, exciting. And and this moment is always in one part of my head. Each
0: day, five or ten minutes, I am with Gilles. This is sure. Gilles was clearly a very special man and a wonderful driver who made a big impression on those around him. It's crazy to think it's been 40 years since he passed away. My thanks to Jody, Mario, René, Jochen and Jonathan for their thoughts and memories. And please remember to send in your thoughts and stories on Jill. I'd love to know if any of you saw him race, or better still, got to meet him. Which brings me on to what you sent in about Alex Rossi after last week's show. Let's start with this from Sam. Great episode, I watched Alex win the Indy 500 from Turn 4 in 2016. He ended the victory lap parked right in front of us I also made some decent money that day in a friendly wager betting on him. Well, it sounds like you had a good day as well, Sam. Lucky you. I would love to have been there that day to watch him win Indy at the first attempt. And what about this from Joshua Barrero? Hearing Alexander speak about the pain within the team after Jules Bianchi passed away, it really gives us an insight that racing drivers can really care for others, even at the cost of their own chance in the car. I couldn't agree more with you, Joshua. Alex spoke very powerfully about that moment in his career, didn't he? There's no doubt he's a ferocious racer, but he's also a lovely human being. And we'll do one more. How about this from Sharon? I'm glad Alex got on beyond the grid. Well, so are we, Sharon. He had a lot of potential, and it's a shame that he only had five races in a backmarker car. I hope he returns with the Andretti team if that ever happens. Wouldn't it be great, Sharon, if he got back into Formula One with Andretti? I, for one, would certainly love to see that happen. Well, we'll leave it there for this week. Thank you, as ever, for listening. And thank you to everyone who wrote in as well. I love hearing from you. We'll be back next week with another great guest from the world of Formula One. Until then, keep it flat out. F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios.